0: The basis of our scripture this morning is in two places Jude verse 22 there's only one chapter in Jude Jude verse 22 and Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 Jude 22 and Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 listen to this and of some have compassion making a difference That little phrase, making a difference, I wish we could burn it in our hearts today. This is Father's Day 1996. And I believe every father really wants to make a difference in the life of his son or daughter. And we want to look at the scripture today about how to accomplish this. The other reference is in Ephesians chapter six, verse four. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. May we pray. Our Father, we ask that the Spirit of God would meet in power in our hearts as we hear the word and as we seek to let thy spirit make a difference in our lives so that we can make a difference in the lives of others. We pray in Jesus' name that that same Holy Spirit would bring conviction to those who are without Christ. Amen. Today is Father's Day, 1996. Crime is still on the upswing across the world. Sin is rampant. Incest, open sex, open nudity, girly shows, open drunkenness, all of this part of the horizon and the scene of today's world. Premarital sex, abortion as a birth control method. As we think of this day and all that boys and girls will have to face, not only today, but as it gets more severe, as more and more Christian faith is under attack, and more and more Bible and Christian principles are subtracted from the school, and there are no absolutes. Who is going to make a difference if it is not the fathers of our land? Men, God planned that you would be the leader of the home. Husband, love your wife even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of, of the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be glorious unto Christ, unto God. And then he said to the wives, wives, submit yourself unto your own husband, for the husband is the head of the home or the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now, the feminists do not like to hear about that. It's very interesting that William A. Smart was a Civil War veteran. He raised his motherless pioneer family on the prairies of Northwest. The first Sunday of June, 1910, was his birthday. He died in 1919. A grateful daughter, Mrs. Dodd, grateful for her beloved father, concerned and conceived the idea of a special day to recognize the value and respect we should have toward all our fathers. She urged all the pastors of Spokane, Washington to honor the fathers on that special day, June the 10th. They could not get their sermons together until the third Sunday. And so the third Sunday of June became the first day designated Father's Day and it has continued ever since. Today, Father's Day is observed in 60 countries of the world. President Woodrow Wilson g- gave Father's Day the, the first official recognition in 1916. In 1924, President Calvin Coolidge urged the observance of Father's Day all over the nation and in its possessions and territories. April 24, 1972, President Richard Nixon signed the resolution and issued the first presidential uh, Father's Day proclamation that year. Now Mrs. Dodd died at the age of 96 on March the 22nd, 1978, leaving behind a world that has set aside a special day to honor our dads. She was an artist, a poet, a good wife, and a mother, and she was not a feminist. Well, when we think of our fathers and our men, I read an interesting little verse the other day. When every day throughout the year we've gone the same old way, it's difficult to make a change for one specific day. Often he sang his funny songs when we were very small and later taught us how to walk and then to catch a ball and helped us with our lessons too and pulled us through our ills, and gave us talks on life and love and always paid the bills. All year we've tossed no praise at him, this creature known as Father. Why build the old man up today? Well, you'll find it's worth the bother. And so we salute our fathers today, and we want to uh, suggest what the Word of God says about how to make a difference. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath but raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord." There are some principles that will defy the crumbling of the home. Number one, Christians should marry only Christians. Number two, Christians should seek the direct leading of God about their marriage plans. Number three, Christians should have a genuine heart agreement. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Agree on the ideals, on our set of values, on our friends. We need to recognize the difference in cultures. We need to recognize the difference in religious backgrounds. And if we're to make a difference in the next generation, then we need to begin before marriage. Sometimes people find themselves into marriage and they have not thought through those principles ahead of time. What are we to do? Christians need to accept the Bible standard for marriage. We just read from Ephesians two or five, and we had that in Sunday school this morning. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit filled Christian will have a song in his heart He'll have a thanksgiving spirit. He'll be submissive in a spirit of humility. Christian wives will submit themselves into their own husband, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Christian husbands will love their wives, even as Christ loved the church. And in chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And then he sums it all up, putting the brunt of the responsibility on daddy. He says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. One of the principles that fathers can set an example for in, in our world, in our age, make a big difference is to recognize that marriage is for better or for worse. I think almost every couple that stand at a marriage altar repeat these words, for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until God by death shall separate us. Well, when we say those things, is it possible that we do not mean it? Is it possible that we have our fingers crossed, as it were, while we're repeating those vows. And we say, we don't really mean for better or for worse because it could get a lot worse. And frankly, sometimes it does. We don't mean for for sickness or in health. We don't mean until God by death shall separate us. We mean until we get mad at each other and won't forgive each other, and so therefore we divorce. If we would look at the biblical principles and believe them. And then recognize some of the enemies that come into the home. One of the biggest enemies that comes into the home, and you won't like this at all, is television. If I could wish one thing for you, it would be that all your television tubes would burst. And you didn't have enough money to replace them. You think you're mean. Well, women, when you watch all those soap operas in the afternoons and they tell you how to go to court and sue your husband because you've been with a bunch of others that are divorced and you've seen all them and you see all these court cases and you get so exciting, you hardly wait for tomorrow to find out what's going on, how you're going to find out how my stomach turns and all that kind of thing. <laughs> how can you help keep your mind on spiritual things and on really honoring your husband and pleasing your husband. And husbands, when you secretly get those filthy videos and we think everybody's gone to bed, you watch them or you take them down to your office or you take them somewhere else and you watch them and your mind is fed on gutter trash. How can you possibly make a difference in the next generation? The playboy philosophy is a philosophy that leads to home infidelity and divorce. The ERA philosophy where women decide they're gonna climb the telephone post and let the men be the operators in the telephones. I wanna tell you, there is a role that men need to play and a role that ladies need to play. And what I'm saying is very unpopular today. And if there are sociologists and psychologists listening, you'll say, well, he's back in the dark ages. That's probably true. But there was not the divorce rate there is today. And there were homes that grew up, there were children that grew up in homes where there was a mother and daddy that both honored God. The gay rights philosophy, a tragic thing of our day. In years gone by, if anybody had that tendency toward homosexuality, they'd never talk about it. And now they have opened gay parades. And they parade all their filth and trash and deviance, deviancy across the television screens for a whole world to watch. One of the greatest enemies the home has today is alcoholic beverages I don't know that there's a greater enemy anywhere than alcohol and I want to tell you the only safe way to deal with alcohol is to abstain from it alcohol is a curse upon any home whether it's a little social drink and you think you can drink and everybody you know you'll just be in in social custom with everybody else and everybody sort of like you for doing it, or whether you guzzle it as beer and whiskey and you drink it on down and get drunk, it's all the same. Now they tell us that some people know how to handle liquor and I'm interested in all these ads and things you have here on the radio about, uh, they talk about uh, if you must drink, don't drive as if it's okay to drink, just be sure you don't drive while you drink. Well, that's pretty good admonition. The interesting thing is on cigarette packages, and I'm against cigarettes too, they have a warning that this could hurt your health. I'd far rather meet somebody on the highway who's smoking a cigarette than who's drinking beer and whiskey. And somehow we've become so confused about it and liquor has been an accepted fashion and social uh, custom today that nobody takes a stand. against. I want to tell you, it's an enemy of the home. One of the most severe enemies. If you would go with me to homes where there's a mother and some children trying to eke out a living and the mother has to have another job and the father just lying in there drunk on the bed, you know what I mean. And even a worse tragedy is where the mother's drunk too. And the poor children don't know what to do. Making a difference is what we're talking about. How are you going to make a difference in the life of your young man and your young woman? The prime difference is your example. What you are says much more than what you say. And when we teach by precept, and example god blesses children obey your parents in the lord this is right but all moms and dads let's set the example so they won't have to wonder should i really obey this injunction we're living in a time of great child abuse i think some of it is exaggerated but there's enough make us shiver in our boots where a a father mistreats his daughter or a mother mistreats her son and there's sexual promiscuity that begins right in the home tragedy of tragedies on this Father's Day I want to challenge every father here first of all to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Know him as your savior and your Lord and let him be real in your life. A lot of folks grow up in churches and they make some kind of profession when they're real young and i listen, I believe that little children can understand what they're doing when they get saved. I was saved when I was nine. I knew what I was doing. I can remember all about it even to this day. I remember the heart feeling that I had and the, 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 the desire I wanted to be saved and yet I wanted to leave the church, I, I was just under conviction, I knew about it. And to say that a little child can't understand that, it, you don't understand little children and how God deals with them. On the other hand, there are some children that make confessions of faith and it's not real. And they grow up into young adulthood and then to manhood or womanhood and they're embarrassed To ever say, maybe I really wasn't saved back there. You see, your life never changes. Your lifestyle never changes. Your life desires never change. When Christ comes in, he changes the want to in our heart. The best definition of being born again is being changed. The nature changes. The old nature is is put down and the new nature is put up. Holy Spirit begins to operate in our lives. Somebody said the difference between a real, genuine, saved person and who is one who has just made a profession is we both sin, but the one who's really saved hates the sin. It makes him terribly uncomfortable, and it sends him back to Calvary to repent and turn away from it. And the one who has never been saved may go to church may sing the songs of zion then go out and drink his beer and his whiskey and tell his filthy jokes and curse and swear and be profane and live in fidelity in his to his parent to his mother and to to his husband and wife and so on if you've never been saved there's not going to be any difference in your life you may put on others may think so but jesus lives inside if you're saved and he's not going to give you satisfaction with a promiscuous life so i want to ask first of all if you're if you're a father open your heart to jesus let christ be in your life secondly if you're a father and you're saved let jesus be lord that means boss that means you go to him and ask him about everything what kind of clothes should i wear Who should I marry? How many children should we have? What kind of a lifestyle do we want to have? What kind of a home do you want us to have? And before every meal, you bow and ask God's help and God's presence. Whether you're in a restaurant or whether you're in in your own home. I thank God when I go to a restaurant and I see people bow their heads in prayer. You don't see a lot of it, but you see some of it. What a blessing that is. And then you find some people who are too embarrassed to do that. They go gobble their food down just like pigs. Just like hogs out on the farm. And they just get their food. They sit down and start gobbling it up. They never look up and say thank you. And some of them are Christians. Now fathers set the example. The mother ought not to have to set the example. The father needs to. And daddies honor the Lord with all your life. And then thirdly. Love your children. Tell them so. Say, I love you. If I have to discipline you, I want you to know it hurts me more than it hurts you, but I love you and I'm gonna pray with you just before I discipline you, then whack them. Wear them out. But let them know you love them. Do not administer that kind of discipline in hate or in ill will. Or when you're upset or mad or angry love your children fathers provoke not your children to wrath make a difference in their lives for all eternity one of the greatest joys I've ever experienced is seeing a boy walk down the aisle in this church and his daddy came with him and his daddy said to me i'm not a christian but my little boy wants to be saved i want you to tell him how to be saved and then would you tell me how to be saved and god saved them both that same day what a blessing May me pray our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment our father we thank you for the joy that jesus brings to the human heart When we walk with the lord in the light of thy word thank you for every daddy in this room this morning and every little child and every big child and all of us who have experienced the joy of having a father and those who have experienced the wonderful honor of being a father we pray lord that you raise up men who will honor christ and put jesus first in their lives for christ's sake amen may we stand please number 146 <clears throat> I hear the Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all this is God's invitation this morning and you know we're not strong enough to live the victorious Christian life but he is and when we invite him to live his life through us there can be victory and that's what I'm asking us to do today first of all if you're not sure you're saved, whatever age you are, man, woman, boy or girl, we're going to be waiting right down here. Would you come and say, I want Christ in my heart. I want to know for sure I'm saved. Would you do that? And if you've been saved, but you're not really close to God, why not today just give your life back to him and say, I want to serve him. I want Jesus to be first in my life. Don't put him off. Don't turn them away. I want to ask everybody to face this question. If you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? Do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? If you do not, make your way down this aisle. Let's kneel here at the altar and pray and ask God to show you. While we sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him. I go, will you come?